So this morning, we want to carry on in a series that we've been doing for several months. Uh, it's at the beginning of the year, uh, it was a scripture out of Daniel 11, verse 32. It was to know God, to grow in God, and then to go in God. Once we understand what God is really like, there's the, the that thing, the picture. What do we call that? Jonathan, what do we call those things? A graphic, thank you. That's our graphic, and we've been uh, doing this from January, and the first four months, we looked at what is God like? What is he really like? And this series that we're in right now, the next four months, is growing in God, growing in strength, growing in grace, growing in kindness, growing in humility, growing in our uh, own relationships. And in the last four months, we're going to talk about going and taking it outside of these walls into the earth. So we're in the second set and growing. And this morning, I am thrilled, excited to, to touch on one of the, my favorite characteristics and aspects that we see in Jesus continually and constantly throughout Scripture is just kindness. Everybody has their thing. You know, they, I was talking with several people this week. I don't know why what I'm about to say is true, but I, it just seems to me to be true when there's Bible schools across the United States and across America, it seems like just a common theme. It's always faith. You go to this school, you learn faith. Faith, 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 faith. And praise God, we can't please God outside of faith. It's, faith is essential. It's part of our core and our DNA. But as I read the Bible, like in, in say, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, all these three things are really important. Faith, hope, and love. love. I'm still waiting for the Bible school. All you go there is just learn about the love of God but it's always faith. So anyway, everybody has their thing um, that uh, a church is known for or a school is known for people. And the Bible says the greatest of these is love. It just described Jesus. It, it, everything he did was based from love, out of love. People, when they encountered him, they felt love. You think, well, what, is it, what does that look like at times? And what I always... Feel when I when I meet certain people and you look at them and you think, I love the aspect, the action of love when it's expressed in kindness. And you meet someone and you walk away and you say, What was that person like, that man or woman? They're just so kind. And I, when I think of Jesus, I obviously he was loving and he was gracious and he was powerful and a miracle worker. But when you encountered Jesus, you encountered the kindness of heaven. It didn't make any difference if you were a sinner. You had a horrible lifestyle. You had the most horrible problems. Nobody would talk to you. You were a pariah in life. When you encountered Jesus, you encountered the kindness of heaven. And it, it's something when I, when, and it's just, everybody has their, their traits that rings their bell or, or means something to me. And I, I don't know why it is, but when I meet people and I, I just, I experience just kindness from them. It's like, I just feel like I just encountered the life of Jesus. So this morning we're going we're gonna to look at it. We're going to turn to a story in 2 Samuel 9. And it's one of my favorite stories. I have a lot of favorite stories. I'll admit that. But we're going to look at a man who was a mess in life, who was hurting in life, who was brutalized in life. And as Kim, thank you, Kim, for what you shared this morning at communion, we're with communion. It's just there's so many people in life that things haven't worked out. The, or, or even when Rick Perryman came up this morning, he was talking about Moses. He just kind of 
his life was a mess and he just, he just messed up. He, he murdered somebody and his life was over as far as what he knew. And yet God came into his life and changed him thoroughly and radically and set him back in a place. And I, when I see Jesus, when I read through the Bible in the New Testament, I'm just, I'm just taken with the kindness of Jesus. It's just, it's just kind of, it's that, that quality in me that I look for. When I talk to young people, well, younger than us, me, well, younger than me, and they're still looking for a spouse, and they're like, Tom, because we, we have the opportunity to travel just a little bit, and the, we, we will speak to singles and, and youth groups at times, and occasionally the, the question will come, what kind of quality, what characteristics should we be looking for in a spouse? And the first, the very first thing that I tell them, marry somebody that's kind. They're just kind. And for me, so many things emanate from that and spring from kindness. It touches my heart every time. And I think of Jesus and he never... I'm still trying to find the section, the passage of Scripture in the New Testament where Jesus interviewed somebody to see whether they worthy, were worthy of his blessing, whether they were worthy of his healing. It never happens in the New Testament. He never, okay, here's, a, here's an illustration. It's a bad one, but I'm sorry. And this is not a trick question. Many people, everybody say many. many. Did I say all people? No. no, I said many people. In Christmas time, there'll be this little dude that goes to the shopping malls, and he's in a red suit, and he has a little hat, and he has little antler creatures with him. And people, just out of kindness, and many times grandparents will take their kids or their grandkids to the mall to visit this little dude in a, in a red suit with a beard. And his name is? Santa. Santa. This is not the sermon this morning. Don't freak out. But when people, parents, moms, and dads take their kids to Santa, and Santa is there, and the kids sit on their lap, Santa always asks three questions. This is not a trick. Three questions Santa will ask every single kid. The first one is, what's your name? The second question is, what do you want? And the third question is, have you been good? Have you been naughty or nice? And you know the story. If you've been naughty, you get coal. So when kids are learning at this young age, this performance thing, I, I, I want to get good stuff. So they lie. I mean, I did. No, I mean, I did. I don't mean they did. Your kids, grandkids would never lie. But you sit on his lap and what's your name? Bobby or Tommy? Tommy. What do you want? A bike. Have you been good? Because if you've been good, you get rewarded. If you've been naughty, you lose. Cole, sorry. And you take your sister's stuff. It's just the way it worked. <laughs> and in life, so often that, that thought, that view, that understanding of life is if I do good, I get rewarded. If I do bad, I suffer consequences. I lose. Sorry to spit on you, Sue. So I'll step back. If you do great at work, you get, if you're a salesperson, you get bonuses, you get sales. If most jobs, if you continue to show yourself a good stewardship and responsible, you get a promotion. You're rewarded for your actions. 
But when I read the New Testament, when I read about Jesus, I'm yet to find a person who's sick, who came to Jesus, and Jesus said, ah, 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 ah. what's your name, Bobby? What do you want? A healing. Have you been naughty or nice? Never in the Bible, ever, as I look through Jesus, he blessed everybody. No questionnaire, no naughty or nice, no good enough. Have you gone to the synagogue? Have you given money? Are you nice to your mommy and daddy? Anybody comes to Jesus, the reward is himself. My kindness is going to be given to you. No pass fail. Thank you. It's just kindness. You could be a prostitute. I'm not encouraging that. I'm talking about the Bible. You could be a prostitute, a drug dealer, a murderer. Moses was a murderer. David, a murderer. And the kindness of God is given out, dispensed to people, regardless of their grade on the test of life. You come to Jesus, you get kindness. You get healing. You get mercy. So different than our society. So different than maybe the way you or I were raised. It's the kindness of heaven. The kindness of Jesus. And when he came, it so bothered the religious system. Jesus, you can't do that. If Jesus were truly a prophet, he would know what type of person this really is. Jesus can't be real. That's what the religious people thought. Because if you knew that person was a prostitute, a sinner, a horrible person, a tax collector, a cheat, he wouldn't be treating like that. And he says, no, 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 no. The kindness of heaven, regardless of your scorecard. I'm here to love you, to bless you. I'm going to accept you. And through acceptance, change will come. But my freedom, my blessing, my life, my healing, it's without cost. It's free. When my, my wife and I, when we go to Chicago, we have our eldest son and his wife live in Chicago. And they have three beautiful little grandchildren. But who has grandchildren here? My, my kids, grandkids are smarter than yours. Uh, just a fact. That's okay. There's no competition. But when we go north and we're sitting with our grandchildren, we watch them play. We have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. Did I get that right? Yes, thank you. Six, four, and one. And one of the things that it just seems like if we're ever going to correct our grandchildren, and I know you're, you guys are different, praise God, but we're watching our grandsons play six, four, and one, and the one thing that's going to come out of my mouth, at least, when I'm trying to help my kids parent their children, which is always a mistake, <laughs> always, don't do it. Our six-year-old is named Noah, our, our four-year-old is named Daniel, Danny, and three, four, five times every day we're with him. I'm, I look at the boys and they're fussing and fighting and the two words that come out of my mouth are this. Be kind. Stop taking your brother's truck. Stop mashing your brother's face with a hammer. <laughs> Be kind. I almost never tell them, oh, do this, do this. It's please, boys, be kind. To me, it expresses the quality and very nature of Jesus and of heaven. And I want to take a passage out of the Older Testament, out of 2 Samuel 9. It's just, it expresses the heart of God so beautifully, so powerfully. 
2 Samuel 9, I'll be reading from the New International Version. And this is a man named King David. He was new on the throne. He was new into his rulership. And he came very troubled into the throne of heaven. It wasn't easy, or throne of, of Israel. It wasn't an easy progression. He wasn't groomed by family, society to be a king. But he was a good man, a God, godly man. And the scripture actually says about David, he was a man after God's own heart. I, I think all of us would love to have that on our gravestone. A man after God's own heart. Second Samuel 9, verse 1. This is King David, new on the throne. And David asked the people who were sitting around him, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul, previous king, bad guy? Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Saul's sons, Jonathan's sake? Saul was king and Jonathan was his, David's friend. Is there anybody that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Verse 2, now there was a servant of Saul's household called Ziba. They called him to appear before David. And the king, David, said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. And the king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked, and Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makar, son of Emiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makar, son of Emiel. When Mephibosheth, you try it, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your dad, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant? Speaking of himself, what is your servant that you, the king, should notice a dead dog like me. How powerful how people view themselves. What they really deep down think about themselves. Verse eight, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Verse nine, then the king summoned Zebus, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, this boy, this crippled boy, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 50 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth, this crippled man, ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were 
servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem and he all, and because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. An amazing story. King David is still a young man, early 30s, new to the throne. And he could be sitting there like so many important people musing, thinking about how important I am. It's about time I got acknowledgement. It's about time people recognize my gifting. It's about time. If people only know the pain that I went through to get here, it's about time. But this man who's after God's own heart, the scripture says, is sitting on a throne and instead of thinking about how amazing he is, he's thinking, I went through a lot of pain to get here and there was a man named King Saul who put me through all that pain. He chased me with armies through the desert and tried to kill me for 13 years, potentially up to. Saul chased David through the desert tried to kill him. And David's musing, thinking, replaying the mental imagery of sleeping in the desert about this bad king named Saul who caused so much pain. And then he's thinking about King Saul's son, Jonathan, who was the rightful heir to the throne. He's like, I love Jonathan. Jonathan died. And David, fresh on the throne, Understanding the grace of God in his own life, how God had raised him up from nothing. He's a shepherd boy that his own dad didn't even view him as worthy of anything. David's sitting on the throne. I came from nothing. I was nothing. I had a slingshot. I knocked over tomato cans in my backyard for years. Worried about the bear and the lion attacking my daddy's sheep. I was, a, I was a shepherd boy. How in the world could I be sitting on the throne, king of Israel? How in the world? Just gratitude, thankfulness, appreciation to God. Recognizing the kindness of heaven towards him. And because he recognized the kindness of heaven towards him, he said, I wonder if there's anybody I can show kindness to. I've been so blessed, worthy of nothing. Is there anybody I can show kindness to? From this bad king, maybe, this guy who chased me around. Let me ask a question, he said to his court. Is there anybody in Saul's household, Jonathan's son, is there anybody still around, still breathing? Because most of them have all been killed in battles. Is there any of them I can show kindness to? And the story's clear talks about a young man named Mephibosheth and he had when his father's house Mephibosheth's house was being attacked a nurse picked up this little boy when he's four or five years old picked him up and ran to take Mephibosheth to safety and the nurse dropped this little boy Mephibosheth broke both his legs crippled for life Mephibosheth had lost everything his grandpa messed up his dad had died And now this guy, King David, a nobody, is sitting on potentially Mephibosheth's throne. And what happened in those days many times was a new king would come into power and the new king would kill everybody on the previous king's line, all of them, 
kids, grandkids, all of them. And I wonder what Mephibosheth was thinking as he's called before a new King David. My dad is dead, my grandpa's dead, and he wants to wipe out the line. I'm next. And he walks before this amazing man named David. And he hears, I loved your dad. I want to bless you for the rest of your days. I want to re-inherit you, all that your dad lost. I want to give back to you. And I want you to sit at my table with my sons and eat for the rest of your life as a crippled man. I'm going to instore all the inheritance that could have been yours, but was lost through an accident in life. Somebody dropped you. You didn't do anything wrong. You're a casualty of life, Mephibosheth. But I recognize my blessing, and my blessing shows kindness. And I want to put you back where you could have been. It, it makes me well up when I read this story. It's one of my favorite Bible stories. You see two men, both nobodies. David used to be a nobody, and now Mephibosheth is a nobody, and they still connect. Two men understanding, I'm blessed of God. We live our lives, we bounce into people all the time who are just like Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth gets blessed, and he's before David, not standing because he can't. He's crippled. And in verse 8 of 2 Samuel 9, these words come, and they just, it's like cascading pain rolling out of this man's mouth. He hears kindness, kindness, kindness. And in verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, Who am I that you should notice a dead dog like me? Thirteen simple words. Thirteen words that describe a lifetime of pain, a lifetime of loss. Thirteen words. Why would you bother with me? I'm no better than a dead dog. Pain spills out. Mephibosheth, maybe he's angry at God, I don't know. Maybe he's angry at the nurse who dropped him, I don't know. Maybe he's angry at David, you're sitting on my throne, hot shot. My grandpa failed, my dad left me, abandoned me in battle, died, and now I'm alone. Maybe Mephibosheth in that, I'm a dead dog, it's not fair. What did I do wrong? Nothing. Maybe he just feels totally helpless as a crippled man. Totally hopeless. But every one of his dreams are dashed. His hope is dashed. I'll never get married. I'll never have kids. I, who would have me? Feelings of rejection, abandonment. People can't and won't receive me. My future, blighted. When my wife and I, we were living in Chicago, working with Dan and Fee, picture of the blonde guy, that's generous, Not everybody has your hair, Chaz. Mention that to Dan next week. Just go like this. This is from Tom. My wife and I were working with Dan and Fee in Chicago. And uh, we had a word from God to come to St. Louis. And it was to um, help many people. Just bless them. Be kind to them. To have a church where people can connect with Jesus. Encounter the Holy Spirit again. That was kind of what the Lord told us. Why, why St. Louis? 
to create an environment where people can connect with Jesus, encounter the Holy Spirit, to get restored again. Because what we found so often is people are so dashed, so crushed, so hurt. They wouldn't say I'm no better than a dead dog, but that's all too often. Repackaged, rephrased what they think of themselves. Life has passed me by. I missed the boat. So my question to you this morning, potentially for several people in this room, are you a Mephibosheth? Are you sitting here this morning feeling very damaged? Somebody dropped you in life. Could have been through business, could have been through marriage, could have been a parent, could have been your own children kind of abandoned you. And you're sitting there feeling like life has dropped me. And on the inside, you feel crippled. You may be fully functional externally, but on the inside, dealing with anger, fears, anxieties, and inability to trust anyone again. We've met so many people who are living single inside a marriage, feeling dropped and damaged inside their own marriage, alone. See, if you're single, at least you can hope to get married. But we know so many people who are living single inside of a marriage, trapped. And Jesus is here to restore hope and trust and to heal you and to have a place at the table with the king that you can understand you have a father in heaven who loves you regardless of your scorecard. So many people feel like, I've done so many stupid things. I've made so many mistakes. Why would God bless me? How could God bless me? I'm self-inflicted in my pain. And aren't I glad, aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't have a scorecard? How have you done? Are you worthy of a miracle? Are you worthy of restoration? Are you worthy of being loved? Jesus never asked the question. He simply loved them regardless, good or bad, successful or unsuccessful. Thank you. Somebody dropped you. And I, my wife and I and the prayer team here this morning, we would like to pray for you this morning if that's how you feel. Many people feeling rejected by their own family. No voice in their own family. Other people feeling like, I'll never have a family again. I messed it up. Or it wasn't my, my fault, but life escaped me somehow. We would like to pray for you today. Because the kindness of heaven is here for you today. Many of us used to be Mephibosheths used to be so broken and damaged and crippled on the inside. So you think, okay, so what do I do? How can I, how can I action this out? What can I do with something? I, wh- what do I do, Tom? I'm just gonna give you one thought, one potential action to show the love of God expressed through kindness to people. Because that's what everyone's looking for is the love of God. And I find all too often it's expressed, that love is felt through the kindness of people. So what can I do, Lord? I can begin showing people kindness. And I'm simply going to pose a thought this morning. You probably have every day. It was new to me. King David's sitting on his throne, blessed. Maybe you're sitting in your place this morning, blessed. You got a great job. You got great relationships. You have great kids. You have money in the bank. You've got a 401k, double NC3PO, whatever all those things are. Investments are good. Life is good. 
I'm blessed. I'm doing okay, thank you very much. That was King David. And in his blessing, he stopped. He said, I'm blessed. Who can I show kindness to that's not feeling so blessed? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm, I've come through some pain. In my time of smiling, can I express kindness to someone who's not? That was David. He searched for someone to bless and show kindness. So what can I do? What can you do? Maybe you're not a Mephibosheth. This message isn't for me. Maybe there's a hundred Mephibosheths just all around you. And maybe I can be like a David, open my eyes and begin searching for people that I can show the love of God to just through kindness. Simple display. Search for opportunity as David did. Actively look for them. Who can I honor? Who can I acknowledge? Who can I bless? Who can I have sit around my table and I can share my blessing with? You know, a few years ago, there was this thing, and I I actually loved it. I don't make fun of it at all. But it was this thing of random acts of kindness. It was the kind of thing that went around social media and random acts of kindness. And I thought, I like that. It was something good about it. But what if it's not so random? What if I live my life completely intentionally? It's not random. I am searching for people to bless. I'm searching for people to show kindness to. There's nothing random about it. I'm living my life intentionally. Nothing random. What about today? What about now? I'm going to give you three quick silly illustrations. All I can say is it just meant something to me. So I was with a friend this week, and I looked down, and his, his, uh, his shoes were very shiny. <laughs> and I just kind of caught, and I said, dude, your shoes are so shiny. He says, I know. And I said, my shoes aren't shiny. He says, I know. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> so he said, he said can, I, can I shine your black pair and your brown pair. I, I know how to do that. I can. So he just grabbed, just out of his own time, just took my two shoes. I mean, I didn't go home barefoot. But he just shined my shoes. Here's somebody looking at me, opportunity to bless. This morning, I'm, I'm here pulling into the parking lot. This is all silly illustrations. There's much deep, more significant ones. But I'm pulling into the parking lot, and I, and I meet this gentleman and his son, and the little boy comes running over to me, and he gave me gold. It was like a, just a bar of gold. It just had that said Stanley Cup Champion Blues. See, last weekend I was in Chicago, and I couldn't find my blues hat. It was gone. I think one of my Chicago Blackhawk friends stole it. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was giving them some trouble in Chicago about their alleged team. And I told him, I wish I had my hat this morning just to let him know we won. So this man gave me this hat. I'm like, dude, I was just telling somebody. I just lost my hat. Where's my hat? And it just felt just just a simple little thing, just the kindness of heaven from friends knowing I love the blues. I still love the blues. I I will probably always love the blues. This week I was in a bread co. I was waiting for a young man. He was just running a couple of minutes late. And I was sitting in a booth. And I was kind of off to the side, and I'm texting some people, doing a little bit of work while I'm waiting. And I noticed an older couple, like, and if you're this age, no offense. People look at me and say, well, they're not that, yeah, they're about your age. 
I take no offense. It's okay. I don't even mention it. So I look out, and there's a couple. The, the lady is probably 85, and she has a cane. Um, and I'm guessing her husband, maybe her boyfriend, I don't know. <laughs> Go, girl. So she, she's 85, and she's got this cane, and she's just barely making progress into the bread co. And I'm looking at him, and there's this, this guy, 80, clearly two years younger, 83-ish. And, and he's just kind of, and they're just kind of hobbling along. And, I, and I'm just sitting there, and the restaurant's really, really full. Breadco's really full, which is unfortunate. Horrible coffee. And, and so I, I looked up, and it just went over and opened the door for him. Then I opened the second door for him, and they went over, and they just kind of stood next to the coffee pots. And uh, I'm looking, and they're looking around, and it's really full. But there's two empty table, tables right in front of them. Two of them right there, like within 10 feet. And they're looking at him and shaking their heads. And I'm like, I bet they're looking for a booth. So I just walked across 15 feet and I went to this older couple and I said, excuse me, I said, are you guys looking for a booth? And they said, yes. And I said, there isn't any. And they, they said, there's none. And I said, well, actually, there is a booth right here. I said, come follow me. And I picked up my two cups and my keys and I said, please sit down. They said, no, this is your booth. And I said, no, 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 you're wrong. I was holding it for you. And so they sat down, and um, the guy, the, the older man, the 83-year-old, I checked his ID. He, he got up from spending time with his wife, just, and he just came over to my table, and he said, young man, what is your name? And I was like, yes. <laughs> I see you're a discerning man. <laughs> So I stood up and I, and, I, and I said, I said, my name's Tom. He said, you're a good man. And I said, there's more. You're right. Get a discerning man. And so I would love to tell you, we prayed, he wept, he came to Jesus. I'd love to tell you that, but that would be a falsehood. That would be a lie. Thank you, black and white. I'm acknowledging her color of her dress. No character assessment. And I went over and sat down. And then I, I saw another couple, a little younger, 82-ish. They're standing there, because now I'm at a table that was empty. And I'm sitting there. And there's this other couple, you know, probably 82, 81-ish. And they're looking around, and there's nowhere to sit. And so I, I went over to them. I said, Would, are you guys looking for... I was a little more... Yeah, I was a little more honorable towards and say, hey, you guys, I said, excuse me, are you looking for a table? And they said, yes, we are, but there's nowhere to sit. And I said, yes, there is. Come with me. And it was right next to this older couple that I had just previously sat. So, so I said, here it is. I moved my cup, moved my keys. I said, here you go. Take, you know, throw. And this other guy says, the, oh, the first guy, do you work here? I'm like, I don't know. But I'm just, I'm just sitting there, and I, just, and I just felt the Lord just say to me, it's so simple to bless people. All you have to do is open your eyes. It's all around us. Everywhere we go. And that's what Jesus does for us. Where's Mark Losman? There he is. I wish I gave him a track. I wish I prayed for salvation prayer. It didn't happen. 
I left them for you. Next time. Next time. Next time. But what if everywhere we went, we were showing kindness for Jesus and taking it that next step in boldness? Can I pray with you? This is the reason why I'm expressing this. What if we were that kind of people? Everywhere we go, our eyes are open. The kindness of heaven. David was searching for an opportunity to bless. What about me? What about you? Can we all stand, please? Father, I thank you for the amazing thing that you did in my life, that I was broken, I was confused, grossly insecure, crippled and damaged on the inside, a shadow of, a shadow of what a person should be. I swore at you, I cursed your name, I never ever went to church, I never opened the Bible, and yet you sent somebody out of kindness and allowed me to find your love. I thank you, Lord. I deserve nothing. And now, a few decades later, I'm still receiving the same or more amount of kindness from you, still fresh, still alive. Thank you for the kindness that you show me. I'm blessed. I'm overwhelmed with your kindness. Father, my, my prayer, Holy Spirit, my prayer is that this family, this amazing group of people who loves you so much, to open my eyes to understand the place I've been blessed in, the kindness of heaven that's been demonstrated practically towards me. May I recognize my place of blessing, my place of kindness, the mercy I've been shown. May I recognize it. And Father, from this day, can I begin searching for people to bless, searching for people to pay for their groceries, pay for an electric bill, pay for the gasoline at the pump, pay for their groceries, to tell them why I'm kind. It's because I serve a kind God. That's my testimony, that Jesus is the hero of my story. You're the hero, Jesus. You're the one that's done everything for me. Holy Spirit, that scales would fall from my eyes, scales would fall from our eyes, that we'd pick our eyes up and become emissaries, ambassadors of your kindness, searching it out, who, what, and where. Today, Lord, can I express kindness. Thank you for this family, Lord. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to extend your love. Bless us, Father, this day with opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name. If you were sitting here and you felt like I am a Mephibosheth, we have a prayer team in here and we would like to pray with you and to have heaven touch your heart that you would feel and understand the kindness of heaven towards you. Every single person in this room has come from damage of one sort or another. Today, as Kim prayed for you, maybe today is that day where I, I practically feel the kindness of heaven coming. We want to pray for you. Amen? Amen. Amen.